Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number eight. I'm Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of the brand new digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. On this episode, I chat with Mark Kep, who is a business owner and an entrepreneur, and has been living on the road for over 10 years. And while on the road, he has launched a few new businesses that actually help those living the nomad lifestyle. Let's jump into this episode. All right, everyone. So I do want to welcome Mark Kep to the show. Mark, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And uh, we're not doing this on video, but when we first got on the call, man, you had a nice little green screen going on. You know what you're doing. That was dialed in. <laughs> we do many, many live videos. <laughs> That's awesome. You looked really, really good. So what I'd like to start with is the current location. Where are you currently? So we're currently in Mesa, Arizona. Nice. Are you, uh, are you snowboarding or is it snowboarding? Snowbirding or is that just... Uh... It's both. There. Okay. It's business and, and snow. Obviously, I'll actually share a little story here. So we uh, last year we were trying to we were contemplating settling down, and we had this crazy idea that we'd settle down up in South Lake Tahoe. We love that area, right? Mm. And so we got up there in October into uh, Tahoe Valley Campground there, which is right at the Y. If you're familiar with the area, and we're, we're hunkered down there. And then the, the like the weekend after Thanksgiving, the first snowstorm hit. And then the next day, the next snowstorm hit, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next. And then if you remember seeing the news last year, it was record snowfall. So literally my workout in the morning was I would wake up, put on my snow gear, and get out and shovel the rig and everything off because that's how much snow was falling, falling every day. Um, so we're in Mesa, Arizona this winter after learning our experience from last year. What's the temp right now? Uh, it's actually really cool here in Mesa. It's supposed to be 65 today. Nice, nice. That's awesome. So do you consider yourself, I mean, you kind of hinted toward, do you consider yourself a full-timer or a part-timer when it comes to kind of the digital nomad lifestyle? We've been full-time RVers for uh, 10 and a half years now. Wow. What are you guys uh, currently traveling in? So we have a 44-foot fifth wheel, um, four slides. It's 500 square feet. It's The brand is um, a premier elite it's made by a company called hl enterprises it's you, nobody knows about it unless they know about it the unit is unbelievable it's 44 feet long but it weighs in at fifteen thousand six for the gross vehicle so i can tow it with a one-ton truck nice wow that is i'm at 41 and a half so you definitely have me beat and there are times where i wish i was a little smaller is that your first rig i mean 10 and a half years probably not but no so our yeah our first rig was a keystone challenger it was just my wife and i so i was at that time I had just turned 30. My wife was, uh, you know, much younger than I was. She was 25. And the whole concept then was simply we're going to buy an RV, travel around for a year, year and a half, and then settle down somewhere. Uh, but the piece of advice we did get at that time was get the biggest thing you can possibly find. Because, you know, when it's cold, when it's rainy, you're inside and you want as much space as possible. So that unit was 38 feet long. And it was perfect for the two of us. But then once we had our son, you know, we needed an extra bedroom. And so that was when we started shopping around and we literally stumbled across this unit. And, and it was kind of a, a very unique story around this RV we bought. So at that time we were actually in Mesa, Arizona. This was almost six years ago now. And I was, I was looking around. I just happened to be on Craigslist and I saw this really bad ad for this RV <laughs> and, and really bad. Like, and so I was like, well, maybe let's go look at it. And we turned around the corner and we could see it from the distance. We're like, oh my God, that's it. Like it was perfect. And so we, we roll up. And so here's the other problem is we're full timers. We're in a fifth wheel right now. So we have to sell ours before we move into this other one. So we start talking with the sellers and they're like, yeah, we really want to sell it but we don't want to sell it for another month and a half. Is it okay if we, if we live in it for another month and a half and then sell it? We're like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, that was, that was one solution. So then we're, we're driving home after like committing to buy this unit for cash. And um, we're like, well, what do we do now? And 
it was like two days later, my phone rings. And this gentleman says, hi, this is um, Ron and, and Wendy from Wisconsin. Do you still have that challenger for sale that you had listed on eBay six months ago? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, we'll <laughs> buy it. And I'm like, what do you mean you'll buy it? They bought it over the phone right there. And he's like, but here's the only catch. We don't want to pick it up for another month. So you can, can you hold on to it for a month for us? Sure. Yeah, we can do that for you. So we literally moved that rig in next door to the, the new rig, moved all of our gear over. And then five days later, a delivery guy picked up our old unit and took it away. Wow. That is, that is amazing timing. That's just one of those things that really work out well. <laughs> that was fantastic. You know, the, the lesson we learned from there, and we've, we've learned it throughout our full-timing life, is that we don't push anything. We always kind of go with the flow. And if we feel like we're pushing stuff, that, that may be a sign to back off. So we've always, we've kind of adjusted our life to that way. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, now I'm in an urban area, right? Mesa, Arizona, Phoenix area. It's, it's crazy, right? And we just kind of take it as we go. So it's just, it's a, it creates this totally different vibe in our lives where we're just kind of rolling with things versus trying to force things. No doubt. Now, I would assume again that after um, 10 and a half years, do you own a sticks and bricks or you were no, just, no. okay. Yep. Yeah. When, when we originally started out, so we had only been married a year at that time. We were renting an apartment in Thousand Oaks, California, Southern California. And so we sold everything we own. We, we closed the lease off, um, cleaned the unit all up for them and moved into our, our fifth wheel from there and hit the road. Well, let's talk about a little bit what your life looked like before you hit the road. So obviously, like you said, married about a year. What were you doing professionally? What was the, the wife doing? And like, how did this all come up? And how long did it take from idea to actually turning a key and hitting the road? So we were, um, at the time I was running a digital marketing agency and I was working from a home office. So I didn't actually physically meet with any clients and that business was growing. Um, I had actually started it with the last $5,000 of a student loan I'd taken out for my MBA from Pepperdine. I used that to start the business and um, it was, you know, it was profitable. We were making money. And at the same time, my wife was uh, a general manager for Hertz company. She was running a location out in Oxnard um, as a Hertz manager running that store. And so she would work all day, come home at night, you know, we'd hang out and then, you know, I'd work during the day. So, you know, we, we live the, the standard life that a lot of folks live where they're in the office all day and then they get to go home and see their loved ones in the evening. And it was something that we had been talking about for a while. And it, it, the, the catalyst for everything was we had this, you know, the conversation that every married couple has at some point is what would we do if we won the lottery? Like we had all the mm. money in the world. And the easy answer for both of us was we would travel. And so now with that in mind, now we have like our North Star where we're going, right? And so, okay, we don't have all the money in the world. Can we travel? And the reality was for my business, yeah, we could. And so it was about a year of planning from there where we, you know, kind of worked through this. Actually, the, the first reaction from my wife was, no, I'm not living in an RV. But then about six months later, she came back and said, you know what? That, that RV idea actually sounds interesting. What would that be like? And so then we started down this journey. And, and to give you context of it, this is around 2008, 2009. Um, so this is during the economic crash. And so there was no money to borrow an RV. Um, we had to use cash. So we bought our, our original truck and our original trailer with cash. The good thing was, is that there was nobody out there buying vehicles. And so like the pickup truck was a three-year-old Dodge Ram uh, with a 5.9 liter, um, only had 50,000 miles on it. We bought that for 19,000 cash, which it was a $35,000 truck at that time. And then our trailer, we, we negotiated down to 19,000 for the trailer and the trailer we lived in for five years and we turned around and sold it for $25,000 for, for a slight profit over what we bought it for five years earlier. Wow. So I am going to have a lot of listeners that aren't living this life. The idea of living in something in for five years. And again, 
there's obviously maintenance and things that you did, but to sell it for five, $6,000 more than what you purchased it for is just insane, especially in something that everyone tells you is a depreciating item that you're just going to lose money by owning it. And I'm like, so is rent, you know, like you just, you're losing your money renting. So, and you're not traveling. We spent $18,000 a year on rent. So $1,500 a month was our rent. So we were spending $18,000 a year on rent. That first year when we got into the RV, we spent a combined of $9,000 for RV park fees, gas between um, RV parks and propane. It's not, so we cut our expenses in half. And that first year, we literally stayed in the most majestic places you could possibly imagine. So if, if, that, if that raw number alone doesn't impress you about how this lifestyle is so amazingly affordable, nothing else will. Yeah, for me, people always ask, like, you know, Damien, how, how affordable is it? And I always, it depends on where you're coming from. You know, I'm from Los Angeles. It's really affordable. <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's a no brainer. But, you know, if you're coming from, you know, really small little town where you're paying $500 a month rent, it could be a little different. So it is, you know, it depends on where you're True. coming from. But at the same time, most people, they, they will end up spending as much as they would renting, living in a, you know, an apartment building, really highly crowded. And like right now, like, I don't know exactly, my view is a lake. I'm looking at Lake Smith right now. Okay. And I'm on a thousand trails program. So it's $500 a year and I get two weeks on one week off. I'm for two weeks here. Even in my first two weeks, it's paid for. The rest of the year, it's free, basically. And I've never had a lake view, ever. You know, I mean, unless it rained a lot and the storm drains just didn't do well. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So let's talk a little bit about what your life looks like now, 10 years later on the road. Are you, do you still own a digital agency or what's going on and where are you at now? Yeah. So, um, so I'll back up. So we started this digital agency and, um, it was growing well when we went full time, but when, once we went on the road, business grew by 30%. And there were a few reasons why that happened. Number one, we were super focused. So like we knew what we wanted to do and what we wanted to do was travel, not so much work. So we were very effective in our, our work hours. And so business grew and that business continued to grow steadily. But the service that I was providing, if, if you're familiar with Google maps, when, when it pops up, when you do a local search for a restaurant or gas station or whatever, and it pops up those little icon packs that show up there with the map on it mm-hmm. we had we had a system in place where i can get any business to the top three within three weeks and keep them there and it was very effective very good um but as time went on and this was about three or four years into our travels a lot of spammers started jumping into that space and it started getting really muddied mm-hmm. and i recognized that going on and i recognized how google was changing their algorithm so i recognized that it wasn't a long-term um business opportunity and so we started looking at ways to um, diversify out of that. And around the same time we were traveling and we were using sites like, you know, all these different review sites. I won't name them. I don't want to badmouth anybody, but I was using different review sites that everybody's familiar with. And I kept finding the same experience over and over again. We would show up at these places that were five stars in areas that we didn't know. And it may have been five stars for the person who left the review, but it was two stars for us because, you know, we're not sitting around playing pickleball. We want to go do other things, you know, right? Different experience. And I kept, I kept saying to my wife, everybody's got a cell phone with a camera on it. How come these sites don't allow them to post pictures and video? It'd be really easy. And then all of a sudden we had that aha moment. Well, let's go ahead and start this thing. And that was where Campground Muse was born, was under that whole concept. And so we started building that business up. In, in coinciding with the other business tapering off, we built up that business. And so literally they both kind of perfectly went together as the other one kind of died. This one began taking off. And um, 
Campground Views we've been building for six years. It has over 3,000 videos, uh, 36,000 photographs, and 300 360 videos of campgrounds and RV parks. And that, that site draws in about a million um, users every year, you know, looking for campgrounds and RV parks. And, you know, it's really taken off as a business. Yeah, it sounds like you got in early and something that you're right is a huge struggle. And also, too, I mean, for me, I always when I had a design firm and I worked with realtors, I always laughed when they use words like large, large backyard. <laughs> like, and then you get there and it's like, wait, what? It's the same thing with RV parks. RV parks will use the word spacious. Spacious has a meaning to so many different people. To actually see a photo and for allow me to decide if it's spacious enough for my 42 foot wheel, 40 foot fifth wheel compared to someone's 16 foot pop-up, you know, trailer. For them, it is spacious. They're 16 feet. For me, not so much. So I really can appreciate being able to get in there and see photos and videos of the campgrounds that I want to go to. Now, are people booking on this? No, so we, okay. we, yeah, we do not do any sort of booking engine. We link out to the, the parks. It was always meant to Smart. be like a search engine information source. Um, the way we generate revenue is, and, and this kind of goes to the story about what you're talking about. So um, what happened is we were getting user-submitted videos into the website. And um, a few months in, we started getting calls from these park owners asking us what the heck we were doing. And we're like, you know, we were like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? What are we doing? And they're like, I am so busy all of a sudden. They, everybody says they're finding us on you. What are you doing? And then I go to their listing and they have a really crappy video that somebody submitted to us that's like blurry and shaky and everything like that and i was like whoa are there anybody mentioning this video and they're like yeah and i was like huh interesting so um you know if that's driving business then would you be willing to pay for a professional video and the parks started saying yeah and so that's how we generate our revenues we go to the parks and produce these really beautiful professional video productions and all the whole point is and our basis is not to make them look better than they are but to make them look as good as they are. We want people to show up at those parks and say it looks exactly as it did in the video. And, and we've been able to do that very effectively. And what these parks are, are receiving is we're, we're kind of pushing the technology that they should be doing but are not into their market and basically saying, if you do this, if you literally do this, they will come. And we are measuring results. We have parks that have measured 244% increases in online reservations. We have a park that um, last year, they earned over the course of the year, they earned something like just under $300,000 already in the first three months of this season, they've earned $60,000. Like their, their numbers are already growing above and beyond where they were at. So additional 60,000, they're up, they're up at 90,000 for the first three months. So if they multiply that by four, you know, they're going to way, way outweigh their, their current market. So we're, we're seeing, we saw that as a, as a benefit for the parks and not only just for the parks. I mean, remember we're RVers too. So we view it as, Hey, if we build this for them, it's benefiting us and other folks like us who are trying to live this nomadic lifestyle and really enjoy this country. I think that's key to what you just ended it with there in the sense that one, I mean, I'm picking up that it's really kind of transparent, which is so huge in 2019 and moving forward. I think companies are now getting exposed when a hotel, you know, uses a really nice fisheye lens to make the pool look really big. And then you get there and it seats eight, you know, kind of a thing. And that gets exposed and nobody wants that. The other thing is that you're living the life two and a half years ago, could not design a campground. Two and a half years later, I could design a campground because I've been camping so much. And well, I, I use the term camping, but really I've been RVing. I feel like that's what I'm hearing from you as well is the idea isn't to trick people to get here. The idea is to make sure they understand everything that they'll see and get when they get here kind of ahead of time. And that model is huge because I think 
you know, you've been in marketing, I've been in marketing, the idea of kind of faking it to get people to come that are just going to be so angry and so mad when they get there that they got bamboozled never makes sense to me. So this is awesome. Yeah. And to that end, one of the things that we identified as we're going through this business is that there's a, there is a giant gap in the industry for RV park owners. I mean, there's some folks that run 40 site RV, RV parks, and then some folks that run a thousand site RVs, RV parks. The folks running the 40 sites, they are literally chained to those parks. They can't leave. They're always there. They're always addressing stuff. So they're not learning. And so we've kind of taken that to heart and we've created all this educational material for these owners to start elevating the bar. And we're actually seeing that come to fruition now where these folks that we've been talking to over the last three years are starting to implement some of these ideas in their parks. And we're traveling and seeing that. We're seeing improved amenities, improved sites, improved services, online booking for God's sake. So they're, they're finally getting online booking you know it's it, we're starting right. to see all these things happen that that are good for not only them as business operators but for us as campers they're, they're creating better experiences better access and i honestly believe that if they do those two things the net result is this industry will grow because more people will have good experiences when they go out and travel they'll share that and it's, it ends up creating this big win-win cycle now is there any cost to the user to use it no, the site is completely free. In fact, when you go to campgroundviews.com, you'll see a pop-up pop-up. And um, all, you're, all it's asking for is an email. We only email once a month, and we just send an email that's very informative. In fact, we were just looking at, we sent out a holiday email yesterday. And to tell you how, it, this, I'm bragging a little bit here, but we get, co we get responses back to our, our holiday email saying thank you, good work, and so forth. I mean, that's, that's kind of a testament to an email campaign when people actually respond to you know, a business email saying, hey, thanks. That is for sure. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so that's not the only business that you have going on as well. And no, the, yeah, let's yeah. talk about what else you're, you're starting so, now. So the big news in 2020 is that we've merged uh, Campground Views with a company called RV and Go. That's RV, the letter and Go. RV and Go is a peer-to-peer -peer RV rental platform with a gigantic difference over the other two existing platforms, and that is there are no fees. So these other platforms charge anywhere from 30 to 40% of the transaction, kind of like an Airbnb model where they're charging a percentage, which drives up the costs and, and creates all these issues. RV and Go kind of uh, changed that model. That's why we were so excited to join up is they literally threw that model on his head and said, now we're not charging any fees. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to create a better insurance product. We'll make our money there. And so we'll, we'll provide a value that you actually need, make it really awesome. And that's where we'll make our money. And so the second I saw that and their goals align perfectly with our goals, which is to improve the industry, get more people outdoors, all that type of stuff. We immediately joined forces and um, are going to be doing a lot of really exciting stuff this year. Wow. No doubt. Yeah, I'm at the site right now. So I always feel that there are like really cool companies that disrupt the industry and obviously, you know, with, with Uber and Airbnbs and things like that, that everyone's looking for different segments to kind of do this. And one thing I always hear when, especially when you're in groups is, you know, should I buy a class A or should I buy a fifth wheel? And, you know, again, that's, should I get an apartment? Should I get a mansion? We need to know more about you. <laughs> but one of the things is, is people always say you should rent them, which I remember looking into it when the kids were younger, so maybe 10 years ago, and it wasn't yeah. really all that affordable going to like a dealership and going through, you know, like a traditional RV rental company that that's all they did. Do we want to talk about prices at all? Is that okay to yeah. get just kind of an idea? Like let's, oh, yeah. like I think yeah. class C is probably the one that I always like to just bring up because I feel like that's what we see on the road all the time or the class C's with no slides or something to that effect that most people are going out and renting 
from a traditional RV rental company. Um, what does that look like for someone? Bears? Yes. So when, when we talk about price, one of the big things you need to think about, and you've run a business, so you'll get this, but any company, anybody who's running a business, they have overhead, right? They have their, their basic costs that they need to, um, their basic hurdle of earning money is they need to be, make sure they're covering their, their fixed and variable costs. And so if you're running an RV rental fleet, you have, a, you have certain costs that are applied to you. So number one, you have the cost of that, that unit. And then number two, you have the cost of the, the staff building and location to maintain that unit and house it and everything. And then the other and the bigger cost is actually the insurance for that unit. And insurance is actually a gigantic cost for RV rentals because as you can imagine, you're literally giving an RV to somebody who's probably never driven an RV before. So there's, there's going to be accidents. And so the insurance can get really, really big. So that was, that was why I was so excited about what RV and go was doing is because unlike the other platforms that are adding an additional cost onto the transaction, additional 30 to 40% onto the transaction, they're saying, no, 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 we're not, we're not charging any additional costs to the fleets so they can continue to do their business as it is. And what we're doing is we're actually going to lower their insurance costs with a better insurance product. And that's what we brought to the market. And so um, to that end, we do see that the price of an RV rental, it's not in the terms cheap. Like you're going to spend on average, anywhere from $150 to $200 per night for that RV rental, plus add-ons. And that's where they get you a lot of times, so there's all these different add-ons, you know, mileage, uh, linens, and all that type of stuff. And so, you know, a big push on our end is, is to see if we can create some efficiencies in the market to where those costs can be passed along. We do see that now. Um, RV and Go is, has been able to connect with both peer-to-peer -peer and fleets. So, um, you know, these big fleets out there that you see their, their names on the side of the units, they're starting to list on RV and Go too, which is a testament to the business model that's in place there, that it's actually going to drive down costs, which we should see um, come out in the rental rates dropping um, over the course of the next few years. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going through, you know, the rates really do vary, which is really nice. And a lot of the equipment that's on the site is phenomenal. So if someone is interested in figuring out if, you know, the full-time RV life is for them, this is a great first stop. I mean, absolutely. the, the ability to say, hey, I want to try out a trial of a trailer. Um, I want to try out a fifth wheel. Let me do a class A um, and do some little, you know, vacations, get two for one in a way, test it out, see if it's really what you want. And then also do vacations is really cool. Because again, most of the times I think when I looked at it, there really was just class A's and class C's. There weren't a lot of travel trailers that you were renting or fifth wheels and really figuring out if that's where you wanted to go. This is really yeah. cool. Yeah, we have trailers, fifth wheels, class A, class C. Um, obviously class A and class, class A, B and C are the popular ones because you don't need a truck to tow it. Correct. But if you're going down that route and you have a vehicle, it's absolutely worth it. Or at the worst case, if you're thinking about living in a fifth wheel, you know, a small part of you, you have a large fifth wheel, right? Or is it an RV? No, it's fifth wheel. Fifth wheel. So you, you know that uh, really, you know, like you have to know how to tow it, but a big part of your life in that RV is not really towing it. You tow it to your destination, park it, and then it's there. So what you could do if you're considering about space is rent a fifth wheel, even if you don't have a truck and find somebody and that, that is a, an ability on RV and go is to find somebody who's willing to deliver it to a local place. And then you can go stay in it. Part of the decision process for going full time in an RV is, is really, it, it gets deep. And, and we've seen this multiple times when we've been traveling where a couple has spent their entire life working their tails off um, and their whole plan was once they retired, they'd sell everything by an RV. Well, they do that and then they move into the RV and they're in 400 square feet with one another and they realize that they actually hate each other and it doesn't work. I mean, so there is a big part of this lifestyle where you need to make sure that you've fully thought through not just the actual 
act of buying an RV and committing to it, but actually have going through the process of can my marriage, can my relationship actually withstand me being around that person in 400 square feet, 24, seven, 365. Are, are, is, are we at that point? And so um, one of the things I always recommend is Mark and Julie from RV Love. They wrote a book called Living the RV Life. I highly recommend everybody to buy that book if they're going down that cycle um, because it literally maps out the entire process for you. And it's a really good thought process. So, you know, considering first off, if you're not going to kill each other in the unit, the right. next thing is, is actually buying the right unit. And uh, a lot of folks will go to an RV show, they'll see something that's really fancy. And, they, and the, the big mistake they'll make is they won't actually go and sit on the toilet. That's, that's the first test of an RV. Can you actually sit on the toilet and then get up again? You know, is it too tight to where you're going to get stuck? Yeah, can you reach the toilet paper from the seat? I mean, it sounds so silly and basic, but it's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of folks will make is they'll literally buy an RV without testing out the most important commodity in there, which is the commode. I, that's really actually great advice. I mean, so for me, you know, again, I made the joke, you know, should I get a class A, should I get a fifth wheel without any kind of you know, history of the people that are actually purchasing it as experienced RVers, we couldn't really give advice. And even then, there could be a lot of people that have my exact needs that could be in a class A. And so even then with the, you know, if I had a twin brother that had the same situation, he could love his class A experience. I was all about the class A. I was all about being able to like get up and make a sandwich while driving and, you know, doing all that. Or if someone had to use the restroom, they could blah, blah, blah. Once I got into a fifth wheel at almost six, six, and then, you know, obviously <laughs> all the storage that came out, I was like, okay, I'm done. Like this is, this is really what I need. I love the idea of being able to rent them and see it and then be like you said to sit and stand in a shower can you actually stand in the shower can you fit in the toilet does the kitchen area make sense and i think for a lot of people they'll find out really quick what works and what doesn't work now you did say something about the towing capabilities i just want to double check is yep. there ability to rent uh an rv that's like already at a location like like a true airbnb but in a rv or is it just pick up and go kind of stuff no, yeah. So that would be the delivered one where they'll deliver to a okay. location. Uh, I think we have one or two units that are on site, but um, so you have to be careful with that. We, we want to make sure that it's properly zoned and all that type of stuff. But we encourage, you know, RV parks that have um, RVs on site to list them and, and really kind of build that inventory out. There are ways to find pre-set up ones, but really if you want to go for the ex full experience, you'd want it delivered to a campground or RV park, especially the type of, of campground and RV park you're looking to stay at. One of the, one of the other things we see folks do that are considering the full-time RV lifestyles, they have in their mind that I'm only going to be staying at national park campgrounds. I'm going to go to Yosemite, Yellowstone, I'm going to stay in those national park campgrounds. But they don't think that process all the way through and realize that there's usually a length of stay limit, anywhere from seven to 14 days, and there's no hookups, and the sites can only accommodate up to about a 35-foot, but realistically, you know, 25-foot RV is big for those, those campgrounds. And when you're in a national park campground, you're camping not with other full-time RVers, but you're camping with people who are camping their one year out, their one weekend out of the year. So that means they're having parties, they're loud, they're rambunctious, it's kind of crazy. And, and that's fine for them. But if that's if you're doing this full time, you can only take so much of that. These are two things I think that are trigger words that in one of my previous podcasts that came a lot, the difference between a full timer and a full timer. You know what I mean? People will say, I'm a full time RVer, but I never move. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. That's open to you. You know, then what's the difference of being a tiny home? But the difference between a full timer and a weekender or someone that's on vacation, you're right. There's an absolute huge difference between those two. And, you know, someone that lives in a hotel full time, 
and someone that's there for the weekend, the way they treat the staff, the way they treat the hotel, a lot of times that's way different too. So you do bring up some really good points. Well, you know, and, and there's also a stigma to it. We find that when we're traveling and people ask, especially being a young couple with kids, we generally just tell people we're on vacation if we don't know them right away. And then once we get to know them a little bit more, then we'll, we'll tell them we're full-timers. And, and this goes for, you know, for, for your listeners who have existing digital businesses and they're going on the road. One of the things we learned early on, it may have changed now, but at least in our experience, is we didn't tell our customers that we were um, full-time RVers because uh, folks misinterpret what that means. They think you're on vacation, you're not going to be easy to reach, blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't true at all. In fact, we were more responsive, more effective once we got on the road. But because people don't have a frame of reference of understanding what that means, they misinterpret it. And, you know, a really good point on that. And so we travel, we stay anywhere from a week to a month in different locations, and then we move on. And, you know, I, I even say now that we don't really live in an RV. It's 45 feet at 500 square feet with two bedrooms, a tub, a laundry. I mean, it's just a nice condo on wheels that we move around and stay in great places. So, you know, I don't really even consider us RVers and, you know, we're in an RV. It's funny that you brought me back to the old days when I first started out, when people would look at it with kind of the, this guy, really, this is what he needs to go out for a weekend. That was the time I was like out there running and screaming, no, 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 no. I, I live in this thing. Like, I, I uh, it, yes, if it was just a weekend, I'd have a 20 footer. You're right. Like, but I live in this full time. Like, I felt like I had to defend myself on people just, you know, giving me a little stink eye with really bro that's camping you know no this is living and you're right we're we're not on vacation and it's but I, I thought it was actually really cool that you brought that up because I always feel like this lifestyle you, you take an industry that where most people are really miserable telecommunications where you have to answer and do customer service calls over the phone I'm like what if those people lived in an RV to your oh, point they'd probably be a lot more productive because you're right there's I think everyone thinks when you live in an RV that you're constantly out in your kayak or hiking or doing that and there's we're definitely doing that that's part of it but most of it it is you're just you're settled and focused and working but you're working in a you know i'm in a campsite right now it's a brand new campground and they added it's 80 sites there's only five people in the 80 sites right now because it's brand new that's it's amazing. just quiet as can be and so i'm getting so much work done so it's funny that you bring up those points because well you know what what it is 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 when you're in an rv you're in the place you want to be so you can work Eight, eight, 10 hours in your day, and you don't have to commute to where you need to go. You literally can walk out, hop on your bike, and go for a two-hour ride before sunset and experience it. And so that was, that was actually a big thing. Going back to the cost, one of the other weird things we found, I don't know if you've experienced this too, is the actual amount of money we spent on gasoline dropped when we went full-time. We thought it would go up, but we actually spent less on fuel because we were traveling to the destination we wanted to be at. We were staying there a week or a month, and when we're there, we're literally not driving anywhere. We're, we're where, we are where we want to be. And so it, our costs on fuel went down. It was nuts. Yeah. Mark and Trish Leach that were on the podcast both said that they traveled around 60,000 miles and they both basically had home-based jobs. They weren't like commuting to and from work a year, 30 and 30. And now they're doing like 40,000 traveling the country. I was, my, my, I was blown by that too, where I was like, you're right. And, and they weren't even commuting. You throw someone in, you know, that's Los Angeles. It's just going from like Santa Monica to Brea to commute for work. And that mileage just skyrockets per year. So that is, that's an interesting kind of another factor of like, you know, not defending the lifestyle, but making people understand it. Now, you did say that, you know, in the beginning, you didn't really tell people. It's funny, I didn't either. I kept it really kind of secret. I just told the company I was working for, I was moving to Texas. But as a sales guy, I noticed that the lifestyle really helped me in the sense that 
people were interested when I was emailing them. I'm like, hey, I'm in, you know, Virginia now. And hey, I'm now in Texas. And they would respond to these like cold emails with like, are you on the run? What's going on? Now, obviously, <laughs> the businesses you're building are very RV related. So it, it makes a lot of sense that you're living this lifestyle. When you weren't, though, going back to the digital marketing, was that an issue ever for people? I mean, you kind of hinted towards it or people. It was. Little, yeah. But that was early it, on. You it, know, I mean, 10 years it ago. It was 10 years ago. It was yeah, nobody ago. was yeah. really doing this. No, you didn't have you didn't have the tiny living TV channel or anything like that. So it was completely you know, it was completely unique. I mean, like if you think influencers, only the RV geeks and and Technomadia were doing it at the time. So it was really unique. Um, and also, maybe the way we communicated it, because I learned through time how we how we do it now. Like kind of to your story, we would share. Hey, you know, they say, hey, where are you at now? Oh, I'm in you know, I'm in Virginia. Or, in Florida or when and they're you know eventually like why are you moving around so much uh, well you know it, here's how we've been living our life for the last three years and you know and so they already know I've been providing these services on the road so they were fine with it at that point but when we told them initially hey we're going we did a test we told three clients we were doing this and they all found excuses to cancel within the first month and that was when we initially began but once we were on the road traveling and been doing it for years and been servicing the clients fine then the conversation was much easier because they already they, they recognized well you know obviously it's fine. He's been working for me for two years and I haven't had any problems. So there was no issues there. 10 years. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you're probably the longest digital nomad I've spoken to so far. You know, knowing what you know now, like in anything in life, what would you have done differently kind of starting out? Is there anything that you really like, oh, if we just would have done this, it would have saved us so much. And, and, and the answer can't be we would have done it earlier. But it, it, what else what else is there that you think that someone new or thinking about the lifestyle they should really be thinking about? So the biggest thing I would think about is, is how you're going to earn your income and how you're going to do that. So one of the mistakes I see a lot of folks make is that they'll, they'll think, oh, we're going to blog and we're going to YouTube and it's going to be about us. And while that's fun and you can actually build a really big following, the problem is, is that it's about you. So if you ever decide to change your lifestyle, that income source dries up. So if you're going to start a business on the road, consider how you can start an actual business that's not about you or, you know, it could be related to you, but it could be something that you can get rid of eventually, like what you're doing here with, with this rootless living. I mean, this is something that once you get it going, it could be, you, you could sell this. It's something that somebody else could take over and run with. So, you know, you're going down the right path. So that was one thing. And we actually learned that early on because we had started a blog that was about us. And I, I recognized really quickly, no, this is private information. I'm not interested in sharing this publicly. We need to change this model. We're not not going to be, um, we're not going to be the personalities that are out there, um, other than related to our businesses. So if there's one big lesson I can share with you, if you're thinking about doing it is definitely go through that process. Now you might decide, heck, it's going to be all about us and that's fine. Just know going in what you're creating for yourselves. Yeah. And I think even it's the, the space is really getting saturated as well too. There's a lot of people that are, we're going to jump in an RV. We're going to grab a camera and we're going to do what another 100 people are doing. But to your point, 10 years ago, even five years ago, even actually three years ago, I think even when, you know, the Keep Your Day Dream started, they basically told me that they like almost consumed all you could on RV on YouTube. And even their biggest followers, the Gone with the Winds, like as soon as they left, they, they jumped in a boat. And it was like, wait, who are we going to follow now? That was our real inspiration and our know-how. Now they're in a boat. Even Technomadia went sailing too. They shifted it up. I think it's really good advice just to focus more on the, the job than the actual trying to be a creator. Not that you can't, but if the motivation is to solely earn an income, it's really going to be a lot harder for sure. 
Let's talk about the highs and the lows real quick as we kind of wrap up. Um, I like to start with the low, so we end with the high. What was kind of a low period in this lifestyle? I think most people probably go through something. And <laughs> what was, do you have a low that you want to talk about? Day one. Day one, 150 miles into our trip. So we, we sold everything we owned. We moved it into a fifth wheel. And our first trip was going to be from Southern California up to my mom's house. And she lives up near um, Bridgeport, California, past Mammoth Lakes. So we're traveling up US 395. And we're about, uh, at that point, we're about 50 miles south of Lone Pine. And this big rig pulls up next to me. I'm in the slow lane. He pulls over in the fast lane. He pulls up next to me. And I'm driving. And I'm brand new, right? Just first time ever towing this thing, all that type of stuff. And I look, I glance over and he's waving at me. And I was like, oh, he must like the truck and trailer and so we wave back and he's waving again and i wave back like hey have a good day and he finally gives up and cruises on and about five minutes later i glance over my mirror and i see this giant cloud of smoke out of the back of the trailer apparently we had a flat tire i didn't know it blew out and it ripped off the side of the rig this is day one 150 miles oh. into our journey so we pull over we get towed to a yard it turns out all the tires are, are dry rotted and need to be replaced so that costs us 1200 bucks to replace all that plus the damage you know so 1200 plus the damage that's day one day two we we tow further we stop at a tire yard now and i don't know anything about tires so we pull into another tire yard they look at the tires at this shop in lone pine installed and, I, and i'll name them it was miller towing the orange trucks in lone pine do not trust them they 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 ripped us off big time it turned out the tires they installed on our fifth wheel were 11 years old that they installed and sent us on our way so that tire shop wouldn't even touch those tires they removed them installed another 1200 dollars in, in brand new tires on our food. So that was day two. Now we're two days into our trip and we're $2,400 into the hole. We travel on a little further. This now goes to week three and we get another flat tire. So we are Ooh. three weeks into our journey. We are $3,600 in the hole on tires. And I've, I feel like we've made the biggest mistakes of our lives. So at that point in time, I, I'm somebody who once I've been, once I've been down that road a few times where I've been burned, I don't allow it to happen again. And the way you don't allow it is you educate yourself. And so then I became fully educated on my, my rig, my tires, my setup. And so my next action was to buy new rims, um, LT tires. I installed those and I towed those tires for five years with no problems. And, and from that point on, I was always really aware of what was going on. So our low was literally day one on the road. And then our highs, we have had multiple highs on this journey. I mean, it's literally constantly been a high and it kind of goes to that, that, that mindset shift of we're going along for the ride versus trying to force things. And I mean, we've experienced, like we witnessed the last nighttime space shuttle launch in Florida. We've been to Glacier National Park and watched the Northern Lights dance over Lake McDonald. Um, we, we, we have a, a son and a da daughter who travel with us, with us on the road. We have experienced this country in ways that people only dream about. And I wouldn't change that for the world. That's awesome. There's a lot of good stuff there, both in your highs and your lows. Let me ask you a question. As a fifth wheeler, do you carry an extra leaf spring? I don't, but I inspect my leaf springs regularly and, and we change them on all the time. And then there's ways to like, if, if you do lose a leaf spring, there's ways I, I carry tie straps. So you can actually um, tie up your axle to limp into a yard. So that's just, that is actually a really good point. Yeah, I learned the hard way. I went way too far on my leaf springs. But, you know, it's a $30 part that cost me, I think, $400, if I'm not trying to over-exaggerate, staying at a Sandusky KOA while waiting for the part. And then I, I'm, like, on this mission to, like, anyone that has a fifth wheel, carry that extra $30 leaf spring because <laughs> most people can replace it. I'm not a mechanical guy by any means. I mean, I've learned a ton. I don't know if that's for you, too. I've learned just a ton being in this lifestyle that I never really had as a homeowner and now I'm like, okay, I'm carrying an extra leaf spring. That $30 part, that little extra weight is such a peace of mind because for me, it'll happen when I'm boondocking. You know what I mean? And my tire yeah. straps don't work and 
I could just sit it's, there and fix it. it. It's funny that that's your experience because on my end, what we do is we care. I carry two bottle jacks and I have two spare tires with me. So you know that was like my negative yeah. experience. So I'm making sure I never have a blowout that I'm stuck again. I can actually handle everything. So it kind of goes to that. The other thing that you need to consider in the RV lifestyle is that you are literally driving down the road with all your equipment that's shaking around. So you do need to be relatively handy. I mean, if you're, if you're relying upon service yards to fix everything, it can get really expensive really fast. So being able to be a little bit handy can go a long ways. Yeah. And then also too, you can't be prepared for everything. And I think a lot of times we expect too much out of these rigs. I think you brought up a really good point as full timers and traveling so much. I give my rig a lot of credit for being able to put up what it's been able to put up with. And I think a lot of people have expectations that are just unrealistic for your home to have an earthquake every one or two <laughs> weeks, you know? Well, I really enjoyed hanging out with you, Mark, and talking with you. I think you brought a lot of value. I think there are a lot of, you know, either whether people starting with just owning their own business or really creating kind of an entrepreneur program in and around the lifestyle, it's great to see it and hear about it. Uh, a follow-up question, with the RV and go, and then again, it's RV the let, I mean, the letter N and then go, and I'll link all this down below so everyone can find everything. Are those merging together that'll only be on one site or are they still going to be separate sites? They're going to be separate sites because they have different different purposes. And in okay. fact, we're developing something with Campground Views where um, this time next year, um, we'll be talking and you'll go, you have completely changed the industry. Like well, when, when we bring this out, we are going to, it's going to be amazing. So definitely follow along on this journey. Um, they can go to campgroundviews.com, sign up for that email or go to RV and go and create an account. Either of those avenues will get you into our email communication and we'll bring you along for this fun ride we're going on. And they can find all the social channels too, where they want to follow you on both of those as well. Exactly. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time. I really appreciated hanging out with you guys and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Good work. All right. Another great podcast in the books. Please take a second and give this episode a review as that is a huge help for me to be able to get the word out about it. And if you happen to know anyone that is either an inspiring digital nomad or is a digital nomad, please share it with them. Now, don't forget to head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital copy of your Rootless Living magazine. And you know what? If you think you would make a good guest for this podcast or you know someone that would make a good guest for this podcast, have them reach out to us at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. Until next week, stay rootless.